So I realized a number of you guys were out last week for sickness or jobs or whatnot. And uh, during our transition time last week, just this prophetic prayer came out about uh, at 16. And we looked at that for just a few minutes last week, maybe about 10 minutes. And I, I really feel like the Lord began to just highlight that again this week. And I just began to journal some thoughts. So I want to just go back into at, at, at 16 again. Just share some thoughts about what's I believe the Lord's calling us into. Um, I sent Lee a text Monday night, and I used a word I never used before. And that word is mandate. And I feel like the Lord's giving us a mandate as it relates to worship to be a people that when we worship and praise, we literally begin to shift the region. That's what Acts 16 is all about. It's about Paul and Silas in the jail cell and they begin to praise and worship. And out of their praise, the jail cell opens up. And the foundations of the jail begin to shake. You know, when, when Lee founded this thing, him and Angel, seven years ago, the Lord Lee said, I'm going to change everything you know about church. And I believe he's even going to do that with worship. Now, I was going to wait to announce this to the end, the beginning of April, but I'm going to say this to you now. Uh, Sean and Allison will be leaving us at the end of April. We, we've known since probably August this was coming at some point, so it wasn't a surprise. And I will let Sean and them actually share why they're moving on. It's, it's all good, nothing bad. But I want to say that up front, because I don't think it's any coincidence the Lord puts a mandate on us when our worship people are leaving. That's just how the Lord does things. You know, you get this prophetic word about uh, money and blessings, and you find yourself living with like paycheck to paycheck. It's like the Lord always gives you a word, and he puts you in a, in a, in a place that is going to test, is that word really going to take root in you? And we got something in place, I think, with worship for now, and we'll see what happens. And guys, we might have live worship, and we might have YouTube. But here's the thing I want us to get from the, the out front this morning, is that we should never depend on them to lead us in worship. It's not their job. And, and I'm just really concerned at times that we base our worship, whether or not we have a person up here or not, or if it's the style of music we like, And I'm afraid when we do that, we're actually not engaging in worship. We're worshiping the song we're hearing and not God himself. And that is idolatry. If we have people up here or not, it should not reflect on how you worship at all. If we have hymns up here, it should not reflect on how we worship. If we have loud praise, it should not reflect on how we worship. And I think God is changing the paradigm of what worship really looks like. Does that make sense? Because, you know, I'm not a big hymn person myself, but I can worship hymns. When I used to go to these Benny Hinn crusades, it was all hymns. Benny would always come up to how great their art. And I was like, yes! He still does. That was 1997, 98, now that was 22 years ago. Do I prefer hymns? I do not prefer hymns. But you know what? 
Am I worshiping the song or the creator of the song? The creator, the one who created sound and music. And I think we have to worship the sound and the song more than we do him. And so if it's a cool song, praise God. But if we don't like it, and that has to shift. Guys, he is worthy. No matter what is being sung, he is worthy. And we have to get into that, the, the mindset that he alone is worthy despite what is being said or not being said. Okay. And I also want to say this. I said this last week. I want to say it again. This was not a rebuke. But we need to, we need to hear this. Last week I talked about honoring the point. And I use the analogy of a hunter who hunts with a bird dog. And when that guy is hunting that bird, he does not sense or see that bird, but that dog does. And because he's a wise hunter, he will honor what that dog is sensing. And at times, we come into a room and we may not sense anything. And because we don't sense, we will not engage. We have to learn to honor the point from the guy and the person up here. So if they say to you, you need to dance, you need to dance. If they say, get out of your seat, you need to get out of your seat. Whatever they tell you to do, we need to do it. Okay? We can either respond to what's being said, or we can sit in our seat and be in rebellion. It's either response or rebellion. <laughs> if my father told me, son, do this, and I don't do it, guess what? I'm in rebellion. When a person in authority gives you a word of the Lord to do it, and you don't do it, you are in rebellion. Tough word, Paul. I know it's tough. There's times I don't want to do things either, but I have to get beyond what I want to do and engage the moment I'm in because somebody may be getting something that was going to bring my breakthrough to me. Oh, that felt really good to say. Okay. So, at 16, we know the story here. I hope you know the story. Let me, before we read the text, Paul has been called into Macedonia through a vision. He has found this place of prayer, and him and Saul have been walking around, and this lady begins to follow Paul and Saul around. And she says, these are the men of the Most High God. And Paul gets really annoyed. Because he understands that while she's saying the correct thing, she's speaking from a demonic spirit. And it's really concerning that do we really have discernment to discern what's actually being said and what it's rooted in? I, I'm concerned that most believers will hear that and say, praise God. Paul, however, discerns that while it's the right wording and it's all good, it's rooted in demonic spirit. And so Paul gets so annoyed, he casts the devil out of the lady. And the man who uses her to make money now has Paul and Saul in jail. So here's the context. They're preaching the kingdom. They cast out the devil, and they find themselves in jail. We'll pick up in verse 22. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they struck them with many blows, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison of fastening their feet to the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas 
were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Let's just pray that again. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison house was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains, not just their chains, everyone in the prison found themselves free. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do no harm to yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul's silence. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So just a couple of thoughts I'm going to share this morning. The first thought is this, is that Paul and Silas does not let their current reality dictate as to whether they will worship or not. They do not let their current reality dictate if they are going to worship or not. And I think we are just the opposite. If things are good, we will praise God. If things are bad, I don't know if I have anything in me to give God. And I think what a beautiful picture of being put not only in jail, your feet are in stocks, like you are not escaping. And yet in the midst of being in prison, they would not withhold worship. And that's what I think we really need to get, guys. And I want to ask a question this morning, or say this, is that worship must always be rooted in who he is and not what he does. Worship must always be rooted in who he is and never what he does. And I think, honestly, we have it backwards in the American church. We worship based on what he does for me. So when God moves on my behalf, I will give him the praise he's worthy of. But when God does not move on my behalf, I sit, I sit like a sarpus. That's not the example in Scripture. I think what Sean said in worship, impressed was so good, is that we have a tendency to wait until we feel something hit us, and then we begin to praise. We feel the fire, we feel the wind, we feel some kind of thing happen, and then we begin to lift up our hands. Guys, can I tell you, that's not spirit-led worship. That's worship coming out of your soul. You're worshiping God based on how you feel. What if Jesus went to the cross based on how he felt for you? Madeline, you know, I don't feel too good today, so I'm not going to die today for y'all. What, what if Jesus had that mindset when he came to the cross? You know, God, today's just not a good day. I'm just not going to do it today. No, no. His, his love for the Father, him wanting to honor the Father, even when he prays, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But notice, not as I want, but as you want. So he doesn't allow what he doesn't want to dictate what God does want. And we can never allow our emotions to hinder our worship. Because no matter what you're going through, he's always ready to receive worship. I don't care if you're going through pure hell. He's worthy to receive worship. I don't care how bad your life is. I don't care what, 
I don't care how much tragedy you're going through. He is worthy to receive. And I think we have to get a revelation that he is worthy to receive because of who he is, not what he does. Paul and Silas does not wait till we get out of the jail and have a worship ceremony. But while in the prison, while in stocks, while in there, knowing that they were probably going to get bit, beat again maybe, or even could get killed, they still give him the praise because he's worthy to receive. And I think what we're lacking is we don't understand that he's worthy to receive 24-7. Yes, it is easy to worship him when things are good. When life is good, when nothing is going on. But guys, I think it's much more life-giving when you're going through chaotic life that you can fall before him and you worship and praise him to know that, God, I'm not doing this to you get me out of this situation, but God, you are worthy. And I think, what would our church look like if people who call this place home when we engage every Sunday would just praise him for who he is? What sound would come out of this place when 32 people begin to lift up a voice of praise simply for the fact he's Yahweh. He is the infinite, eternal one who always was. Who was not a creative being, but always was. That he is worthy. What would happen if we got such a deep, seated revelation of the goodness of God in my heart today that says, I'm in jail, but you're worthy. I think, what, what would we begin to release of this house? I need to clean this. I need my handkerchief. Oh, thank you. I got my, oh, my starter kit. Praise God! Got my hanky. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. What's the motive behind your worship, behind your devotion this morning? If your motive is rooted in anything other than being with him, your motive is is an idol. What's the motive behind your pursuit? What's the motive behind your worship? If it's rooted in anything other than being with him, it's an idol. Paul, this is strong. I know this is strong. Because I'm thinking God wants to shift us this morning and take us into a place in worship we have never been before in this house. And so sometimes with shifting, you've got to begin to maybe bring a harder word to bring some correction to align us to get us where God wants us to go to, guys. So what's the motive? Why do you worship? Is it because he is truly eternal Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth? Or is it maybe because if I worship God, he might give me this new job I want. He might bring this relationship into my life. He might do this. He might change this. Guys, that's why we pray. (laughs) Jesus tells us to pray and have our requests before God. But my worship should never be rooted. May you know, if I worship, then maybe... Maybe I'll be best friends with Levon, because that's my dream in life, is to be best friends with Levon. That's not, that's not a high go, I know, but. 
But I, I, I think, yeah, yeah. But I, I think, how often in the body, even me, this is what this is all coming from. This is my own, my own process of the past number of years. Is realizing, you know, if I if I just prayed more, if I just worshipped, that platform for ministry I want is going to open up to me. What is that? That's a hook. It's a hook. There's a there's a Greek word. I think it's called eros, if I'm not mistaken. And it means love with a hook. So I love you so I can hook you to get you to do what I want you to do. And I think for a lot of us, maybe not on purpose, maybe not we don't do it with a conscious mind, but there's a thought, if I just will, if I just do this, then this desire I have, you open the door. And he's like, I'm not going to touch that. And we live a life of futility because we're trying to get God to do something for us because we have a wrong motive in how we approach him. Do you know why I do things for my son? Because he's my son. It's that simple. God will do for you because you're his kid and he loves you. You never have to approach God with a, with a motive of saying, God, I need you to move, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to... Do you know what that really is, guys? That's really us trying to manip- manipulate God into our reality. Is what it is. And these guys are imprisoned. And they just begin to worship God because he's worthy to receive. I think the other thing that, that I, I think is so amazing in this passage is this. Is that one of the reasons they can worship so freely is because they have truly experienced freedom. They're in jail. They are, by man's standards, they are not free. But by God's standards, they are free. With the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty. And I think one thing we've, we, have, we have to understand about freedom is this. You know, we talk about peace. Peace is not the absence of trial. Freedom does not mean you're not behind bars. I want to say this to you up front. If you're going through things... And whatever you're going through affects you to worship God, you're not free. If you're going through a trial and it literally suffocates, if it suffocates your worship, you are not walking in freedom. With the spirit of the Lord, there is free. He wants you to walk completely free, spirit, soul, and body. So when you are going through trials, when you do find yourself in a prison of this type, you can still worship because he's worthy. And nothing suffocates your worship from him, guys. I just think about this a lot. This sound that we can release. Do, do, do you understand what's been happening the past four or five weeks? We have been going deeper into worship. We have been gradually going deeper into worship. Because this is the heart of God. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. He is looking for that perfect heart, that heart that's been complete in him through Christ, that heart of worship. He's looking. And so what happens? You create this place of going deep in worship. Why? Because he's ready to receive. The only thing that matters today is that he's glorified. It doesn't matter that I speak that they do worship, that you talk. What matters today is that when we are done, he has been glorified. 
Tozer said, man's chief end is to glorify God. Man's, your chief end in life is to glorify God, not yourself. Not to make a name for you. Listen, I wanted so bad to make a name for myself. God, I wish I could go back 22 years ago and take myself when I was 20 years old and slap my stupid self. I am dead serious. You young ones in here, you don't want to listen to people's advice. Listen to my advice. Listen to the wisdom of older people. I wish I could go back when I was 20 and ask, Paul, you're such an idiot for why you're doing what you're doing with the things of God. I'm going to take what I know now, which is not a whole lot. Honestly, in the grand scheme, it's not a whole lot. And put that into a 20-year-old, how different life could have been in certain places. How much more productive I could have been in the things of the kingdom. But no, I had to try to make a name for myself because I wanted to be great. Instead of making his name great. And Paul and Silas here in that cell with those prisoners, they're making the name of God great. You got to realize this is that they're in a new land. They're in a land that has not had many Christians in it yet. So they probably have never heard the name of Jesus yet. And now, through an act of worship in the jail cell, an act of praise, they're making famous the name of Yahweh. Oh, to realize that you and I have a distinct responsibility to make the name of Jesus famous in the earth. That is your purpose in life, is to make the name of Jesus famous in the earth. So whether you have a platform of thousands or you have a platform of one, who cares? Make the name of Jesus famous. This is not in the notes. <laughs> That's why you recorded it, put it in the notes. That's a joke. I shouldn't tell jokes, they're not funny. That hurts, Angela. I, I'm convinced the reason the issue with Paul being a jealous there was no issue was because Paul so often talks about being the prisoner of the Lord. How often do you read his writings? I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord. He says it quite a bit throughout his epistles. Paul understood already that his life is not his own. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Paul understood that this jail cell does not change that because he was already the prisoner of the Lord. When he was saved, he became the prisoner. Now he's just in the actual jail cell. That's when Paul could write. Like, I would encourage you to read Philippians. Over and over. Why? Because Paul's writing Philippians from a jail cell. If you don't know that Paul's in a jail cell, you think, man, Paul's got it going good. But when you understand that he's in a jail cell and he can write the things he writes with such grace and comfort and exhortation to believers who are going through trials while he is in a prison, you realize that's only the grace of God that can do that for a person. That's why I love the book of Philippians. Because you realize, 
That man's in a hole under the ground. And you think jail cells are bad today? Go back 2,000 years to Rome. Your toilet was a dugout hole right there beside you. There's probably mouses and mice and rats and God who knows what else. Hustling pfeffers, rabbits, raccoons, I don't know. In your cell with these deadly inmates. And Paul writes this beautiful letter of encouragement to those at Philippi. Why? Because while he may have been in the prison, the prison was not in him. And I'm just convinced a lot of us were still in the prison. And because we're still in the prison, we just won't give God the, the worship he's due, guys. But I found out that when you worship in the midst of the prison, there's a way that chains begin to fall off your life. Your most powerful breakthrough will come in your darkest moment of life. I guarantee that. When you can lift your hands in the darkest of moments, you will find your most powerful breakthrough. May not happen that first time. May not happen the second time. But as you keep lifting those hands, as you keep lifting that voice, chains are going to fall each time. You don't have to live in the prison. Look what they're doing here. They're singing hymns to God. We discussed last week that there's probably saying, I'll fly away. I think there's probably saying, How great they are myself. No, no. What they, they were taking the actual Psalms and they were taking the Psalms and they were singing the Psalms, what they were doing. But it's interesting. The word for him is huneo. That's really bad Greek. But here's what it means it means. To celebrate God in song. While in prison, they are celebrating God in song. While their feet are in shackles and they can't stand, they are singing praise to God. They are celebrating praise unto God. In a dark jail cell with probably no lights, feet in shackles, they're singing praise to God. And I love what happens. It's being birthed from their spirit. It's not coming out of the emotion. There is nothing about this passage that deals with the raw emotion. See, some of you struggle when it gets quiet in worship. You don't know what to do. You don't have anybody to lead you. Again, I'm not, trying to re- I'm not trying to rebuke this morning. I'm trying to bring some correction this morning. Some of you in this room, you struggle when it gets quiet. And you don't like it. And the reason you don't like it is because you don't know how to respond. And I'm going to tell you why you don't know how to respond. The reason, I'm going to turn around. The reason you don't know how to respond is because you have never developed personal history with God. You have never developed personal devotion with God in private. And so you get in a room that's full of people and it gets quiet and you're lost. That's why you don't like it. I'm going to tell you what, guys. It's going to start getting a whole lot quieter in here at times. One of the most powerful things that Benny would do in those services, he would get it it quiet. 20,000 people wouldn't say a word. And this wave of presence would come in. I was like, oh my God. Listen, there's been times when, 
when the fear of the Lord came into a room when nobody was saying anything and you just stood there at attention, not because you were scared to get using it killed, but there was such a holy, reverent presence of God that you did not want to move. And you just stood there. And if you had developed history with God, you were great with it. But if you had never been one to really pursue God in private, you didn't know how to respond to that. And it was like, ooh, what's wrong with you with this? There's something about just getting quiet in the presence of God. I'm not saying you can't talk. I'm not saying you should talk. That's up to, we had we to figure this thing out, okay? But I just say from personal experience myself is that when you just get quiet at times, like inside there's this thing going on, but outside it's just quiet. You just see that's I think I think Thanksgiving and praise and worship, while they're different, I think they're also kind of combined at times. Inner gates with Thanksgiving, his court with praise. But I think worship, honestly, is not us speaking to God, but it's us just simply receiving who he is. Recognizing who he's in that moment. And we just instead of me saying, God, you're so good, you're so great. Now you just, as a person, you just sit there and you just receive. And, and words, honestly, become inadequate. Because now you find yourself in Psalm 42.7. Deep calls to deep. Deep calls unto deep. And I think we're so trying to be, you know, they're saying, they're a mile wide and an inch deep. Guys, I want to be, be a mile deep and an inch wide. I want us to have depth. And our communion with God. I want us to have depth and our walk with God. I want us to be not wide, deep, deep rooted, deep rooted in presence. And I think what's so interesting is this: is that they begin to sing in the praise. I'm skipping stuff. That's okay. We're gonna skip stuff. I may come back to it because I thought it was really good. But what happens as they begin to sing and praise, the the whole region begins to shake. The foundation on which that prison set begins to shake. And the, the, the fruit of it was everyone in jail cells found freedom. And I said this last week, what if you understood that your praise not only sets you free, but others around you? That's why you can't afford to sit down and be quiet. Because you may have the key for the person beside you. Paul and Silas had the key for those around them. It was their mouth opening, singing, praise to God. Paul, I don't feel like praising. I don't really give a crap. I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care how you feel. Quit living your life by how you feel. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will tell you things that are not true. We have lived by our feelings far too long, and it has done more trouble for us than it has done good for us. Okay? Yes, God will use your emotions to discern good and evil, but quit being led by your emotions. It's a big difference between God using your emotions and you being led by your emotions. And I think, guys, honestly, we are led more by our emotions than being led by the Spirit of God. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, not his emotions. 
God, I'm telling you, God is wanting to birth something through this house that will literally cause this region to shake. Paul, that's hot. No, that's Bible. Creation is yearning for the manifestations of the sons of God. I think what Lee said a few years back about praying for Josh, and he was declaring, I think, Lee, tell me if I'm wrong, but he was declaring, and he actually saw like the trees and stuff begin to shake and begin to move. Is that sort of it? Yeah, yeah. What was that? That was creation responding to the authority of a son. This isn't a text that's just a good story. It's a prophetic example of what God wants his church to be when they begin to release the sound of praise and worship. That's why we are going to contend for this. Listen, most people will say things to try to keep you here. If you want comfortable Christianity, you need to go find another church. We ain't been to begin with. I mean, we got 500, we got 25 people here. I love you to say this. If you want to remain comfortable in your walk and you don't want to be challenged, you need to go find another church. Because I'm telling you, as long as, as long as I'm God's man in this place with a team, we are going to go deep in the things of God. We are going to build a place where people can come and experience the tangible, manifest presence of God, where miracles, signs, and wonders, healings, deliverance is the norm because that's the norm in the Bible. So that's what we're going for, guys. That's what we're going to build. That's what we're going to... I am giving my life for that. So if you want 30 minutes, God bless you. I love you. But this is not going to be 30 minutes. I'm telling you, if you're going to stay, I'm going to expect that you embrace the vision of the house. If you're going to be part of our leadership team, I'm going to expect that you will embrace the vision of the house. We can still be friends. I still love you. But I'm telling you, I saw, Sean, I think I have insight, man. I saw two weeks ago, so I saw a sword come down in worship. And I think what God's, God's drawing the line today. He's, he's putting the line in the sand. Which side are you going to be on with it? So I says, well, I want to just go over there and just do my own little thing and have my 45 minutes of God. And the side says, I want New Testament, biblical, Jesus, Christianity. I will give my life for this thing. I am committed. I am committed that I will give my life, not for Freedom Point, but for the gospel of the kingdom. I want to have such a resilient heart like Paul and Silas. Praise just ushers out because of who he is in my life. I believe the reason the, the foundation was shaken is because the region was not governed by the kingdom of God. Hebrews 12, don't turn there, let me just read Hebrews 12 to you. says that's verse 25 see to it then that you did not refuse him who's speaking for those who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven and his voice shook the earth then 
But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that what remains cannot be shaken. What's going to remain is the things built by the kingdom. And the reason there was a shaking going on is because that was not built by kingdom. So we have an assignment to release and establish the kingdom. And that's why until it's, it's released, things are shaking because there's a shaking going on. Why? Because it's not governed by the kingdom. We are called to be ambassadors who release the government of the kingdom in the earth, guys. That's the assignment. I said a while ago, the earthquake. Uh, we talked about Psalm 47, deep because of deep. Do you know that, that um, scientists say, geologists say that most earthquakes go as deep as 500 miles? They start anywhere from 400 to 500 miles deep within the earth. That's a picture deep, kind of deep. That their praise generated an earthquake that deep in the earth. Think, man, what would it be like on a Sunday? And we get so raptured in worship, raptured in presence, that people in that neighborhood of people who are here say, there was this rumbling that took place today. Or people begin to testify, like, I, I believe this is going to happen. I believe somehow we're going to hear testimonies of people in this neighborhood saying, I had cancer, and it's gone. I had Bipolar, and it left. I believe as we engage heaven with the sound of pure praise, people in this region who have demonic stuff, sickness, disease, will be so impacted by the praise that's released in this house, they're going to find deliverance. Paul, that's too far-fetched. No, that's Bible. See, my... My standard, my reality is the word of God. If God did it once, he can do it again. Peter says that God is not a respecter of person. So what he did for once, he can do again. Listen, let's look at a couple of passages of scripture. Go to um, 2 Chronicles 20 right quick. Verse 1, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. Well, we're going to skip around a little bit of the passages. Now it came about this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with the Mennonites, or Manuots, Menudo, <laughs> yeah, I'm old, came to make war against Jehoshaphat, or as I like to say, Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and beyond. They are in Hazazan tomorrow, that is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all the Jews. Hey, that's a thought. When you're afraid, just proclaim a fast. So Judah gathered together to seek the help of the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. So he prays. Look at verse, um, verse 14. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mantaniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. 
And he said, listen, all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O, o Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear, be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face him, for the Lord is with you. Joseph bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. Verse 20, Then they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoah. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you'll be established. Put your trust in his prophets, and you'll be succeeded. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set an ambush. Now he told them, stand still, state yourself. The Lord said an ambush against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. <laughs> and when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The praise of Israel without any sword in their hand, caused the enemy to turn on each other. Listen, their praise utterly destroyed Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And all they did was praise. We can go to the book of Joshua. We won't go there. Hey, we're going to march on the city seven, seven days. For the first six days, we're going to make one stop around it, and you ain't going to say nothing. On that seventh day, we're going to make seven trips around it. And we're going to blow that horn, and we're going to lift our voice, and we do, those walls are going to fall down. I want you to fully understand this, is that there is power in your praise this morning. Despite how you may feel, there is power in your praise. Great example we just read right here of Jehoshaphat and Jericho, guys. We'll look at one more passage and we'll, we'll get into some worship. Acts chapter 2. Is it Acts 2? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tons of the fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tons of the Spirit, gave utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when they heard the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Powerful thing, the day of Pentecost has just happened now. And it says that a noise came from heaven. That word noise 
is the Greek word echos, E-C-H-O-S. It's where we get our word echo from. They became the echo of heaven. And it filled the whole house. God wants your praise to be the echo of heaven. What brought freedom was not the fact that Paul and Silas was the echo, but they were the echo of heaven. Their praise carried the authority of heaven on it. And what happens at Pentecost is that they became the echo of heaven. And he wants us to be the echo of heaven. And I'm convinced we are more about being the echo of man than the echo of heaven. What do you mean, Paul? I hear so many people preaching other people's sermons. Get your own word. Become the echo of heaven. And here's what happens. When this sound is released, the sound fills the entire house. Not only does it fill the whole house. Now listen, you got to realize this. They're in the upper room, okay? I have been in the upper room. This sound permeated not only the upper room, but the streets of Jerusalem. And those who heard the sound began to run to the sound. What would it be like to release such a sound of worship, a noise of heaven, that those around us became to fill the building? Because that's what just happens here in Acts 2. Those in the city hear the sound of the echo of heaven, and they have to run to see what it is. Guys, God wants to fill your lung, your lungs, with the echoes of heaven this morning. Amen? Now, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to worship. And we don't have any time limit this morning, guys. And the reason I wanted to preach for us is because I wanted this to be a really an impartation, an activation. So however shown in Allison leader this morning, we need to respond fully to it. If Lee gets up against the mic and his instructions, we need to respond fully to it. If I do, if anybody else does, we need to respond in obedience to it. Why? Because there's people in our region who are in jail cells this morning. I love the fact, let's just finish the story out for time's sake. The jailer awoke. And he's freaking out. Because he thought, these dudes have all escaped. And he's getting ready to kill himself. And Paul says, do yourself no harm. We are all here. They could have escaped. They didn't. This man is so convicted by what has happened that he comes trembling in before these people. And he, he, he asks the question, what must I do? To be saved. It's just like Pentecost. Peter's preaching this powerful message and he's not even finished when they say, hey, what must we do to be born again? Paul and Silas does not have to say, now we're going to sing this hymn and on the third stanza I want you to come for it. And we're going to sing it again because nobody came for it. And we're going to sing it one more time because I saw a hand go up in the back. You know when we do that? Because we lack the anointing. We lack the anointing. And so we have to manipulate people to come forward to pray our prayer to say something because we have to get people to respond to what we just said. They preached with such conviction and such authority that they, the, the people said, what must I do to be saved? 
I believe, I truly believe that as we do this, people will be delivered, people will be healed, and people will begin saved. Just like Crawford in Guatemala. He's preaching in Guatemala, and this dude just comes walking by. And he says, I want to get saved. Crawford wasn't really preaching. I mean, I mean, he wasn't, I mean the fire wasn't falling. I mean, you know, demons weren't flying around. Mom was just sharing his testimony about what God had been doing. And this guy said, I need Jesus. That's the way it should be. So I want to encourage us. We have space here. And we got space over here. And we got some space up here. Worship should be a celebration of his goodness and his mercy and his grace. So I want to encourage, maybe you want to get this little, I don't know what this thing is. You have, you have instruments. You have a 10-string instrument right here. Don't, don't stay in your seat. Engage the Lord. Come on up, guys. Come on up.